Merry Christmas to all of you. I've had about 500 people already say that to me this morning, so I just said it to all you one time, so you don't have to say it. Well, you can say it again if you want to, okay? Okay, good to see you this morning before the Sunday before Christmas. We don't have except four more days, only three more shopping days. Okay, I can't believe I said that because I don't even shop, so uh, I refuse. If I do it, it's online. I love online shopping. That's how I do shopping now, to sit at my couch and my iPad and go for it, you know, kind of the deal. Um, let, me, let me do a little survey this morning. We've already had crowd participation this morning, and you guys did fairly well. Uh, you know, the, with the little musical instruments, some of you actually exceeded my expectations. Um, <laughs> I was sharing the first service, uh, you know, uh, my expectations were high because sometimes we've clapped uh, with music, and we're not always on. Uh, so... Uh, so I'm thinking, well, man, musical instruments, we'll see, okay? Of course, you had little percussion instruments this morning, so hopefully, you know, you, you learn something new. Now, if, if you've already played Guitar Hero, which uh, I had one time, and, um, and it, was, it was pretty cool. So anyway, thanks, Nate, and the crew for doing that, get that together. Uh, we don't do that every week, by the way, if you're a guest. That's not a normal part of our services, so uh, if you come back next week expecting more of that, uh, don't expect it to happen. <clears throat> We will have good music, and uh, next week one of my good friends, Carl Figg, is going to be sharing the, God's Word uh, here uh, as uh, I get to travel to the East Coast and spend some time with family, so uh, look forward to that as well. Uh, this, this morning, though, I want to, want to ask some questions, and before, do, not, do not raise your hand before I ask for you to raise your hand, because you may do it too quickly, and you will embarrass yourself, uh, because I'm going to ask part of a question, and, you, and if you raise it too quickly, like somebody did last service, uh, I just went ahead and added something to it, and it sounded horrible. Okay, um, um, how many of you, um, you know, love Christmas music? And see, last, last service, somebody raised their hand at that point, and then I just said, and, and, and as an axe murderer, and uh, they looked at me like, what? You know, I said, you raise your hand too quick, you know, you will be embarrassed, and I'll have to send you to jail. Uh, because we have police that actually attend our services as well. So, um, no, that's not the deal. How many of you like Christmas music, and you like it so much? We're going to do a survey about how, when you start listening to Christmas music, okay? How many of you start listening to Christmas music pretty, I use the term religiously, it means like you do it all the time, around Thanksgiving and, and on? Anybody here do that? Okay, keep your hands up a minute, okay? It's only like maybe 30% of the people here. Everybody else that's not raised their hand, look at the people with their, hand, their hands raised up. These are the people you dislike. Um, <laughs> because there are people that are like, man, Christmas music, you know? So, you know, I'd, yeah, I listen to kind of a combination. I'm not necessarily a Thanksgiving. I was in Florida doing a wedding uh, the week before Christmas, and they were playing Christmas music there you know, the week before Thanksgiving, and I'm going like, come on, folks, you know. Now, some of you probably, how many of you actually keep playing Christmas music after Christmas and keep playing it for a week or two? You like it that much? Anybody here admit that? Carl and two other people. Okay, and, uh, and, uh, and that's what you do. But the deal is, it's okay. That's a preference, though, right? It's just a preference. It's all it is. Uh, how about um, gift giving? How many of you say the only time that you can give Christmas gifts and actually open them is on Christmas Day? Anybody here? Just Christmas Day only? Oh my gosh. I cannot believe you're You're worse than the first service. At least there were three of us here that in the first service that said that, you know, Christmas. I mean, how many of you, I mean, some of you give, well, you say you give Christmas presents on, Chris, on Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve Eve? Eve, Eve, Eve? 
I mean, how many eaves do you have to have before I run out of eaves? You know, the thing is, is some of you just want to give Christmas presents 20, you know, maybe you do the, you know, 28 days of Christmas or something. I don't know what you do and you just open presents all the time. And that's all you do. I mean, that's a preference, though, of course. Um, my family growing up, the only time you opened presents was on Christmas Day. Man, that was it. There was a rule. Okay. Uh, how many, um, you know, food for Christmas? I mean, traditional Christmas food is stuff like turkey and ham. How many turkey people do we have here? Any like turkey better than ham? How many like ham better than turkey? How many like neither one? <laughs> I'm all for steak, okay? <laughs> Large ribeye, okay? You know, that's, that's, my, that's, a, that's my favorite thing. I really hope that my, my mom will be uh, in my mom and dad's house with, with, with about 47 other people, uh, which are, we, they say they're relatives, but I never know. And, uh, and uh, we'll be doing that at Christmas, and uh, they'll probably have everything. Mom, you know, she'll fix ham and turkey and everything else and all the things I'm not supposed to eat. And so, anyway. Um, but we have preferences, right? So those are just personal preferences, things we like to do. But let me, let me explain something to you. Uh, even though we all have personal preferences about opening presents and about uh, Christmas music and about what we eat, there's one thing I think that we all have in common. And I can tell you this from conversation with people and knowing human nature. The one thing that we all have in common is this. Nobody likes to feel alone. Nobody likes to feel alone. Now, I'm not talking about being alone. If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad and you've got a bunch of kids... And, and your spouse comes home, the first thing you may do in the afternoon is go like, here, take the kids, I'm leaving. And you're going like, forever? Well, I don't know, I'll determine later, you know, how long I'll be gone, based on the, you know, the kind of day you had, right? You know? Now, I'm not talking about being alone. I think all of us, I like to be alone sometimes. Uh, I really do. I'm, a, I kind of a, I'm kind of a, believe it or not, I'm kind of a, I like to be alone a lot. Uh, that's when I really get connected with God and I get slow down and calm and everything like that. But, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about feeling alone. Um, maybe you feel alone, and maybe you're, you're here this morning. I looked at our numbers from the first service, and we had over 400 folks here first service, and we had probably had about the same number this service. And, and the thing is, is that when I looked at that, I'm going like, you know, you can be sitting in the middle of a bunch of people this morning and still feel alone. It has nothing to do with the proximity of the people around you. It has everything to do with the way you feel about life and where you are. And this morning, what I'm going to talk about is, is, is why... It's, it's really, if, if you really believe what the Bible says, the fact is that you are never alone. You're never alone. You may be around people, you may feel alone, you may not feel God's presence, but God says that he's with us at all times. The matter of fact, there's a song we sing, we're going to sing it as our closing song today, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel itself, you know what it means? It means God with us. God with us. It means that God, is, God has come among us. Emmanuel means that. And some of you get, before you get tripped up about the spelling of Emmanuel, I'll just let me tell you real quick, this has nothing to do with the message other than the fact that it's something that somebody asked me. Um, there's two spellings in the song. Sometimes it's spelled with an E and sometimes in the scripture it's spelled with an I. And the reason it's done that way is because the, the Emmanuel spelled with an I is actually an English translation of a Hebrew word. And the, and the, and the Emmanuel that's spelled with an E is an English translation of a Greek word, which is a translation of the Hebrew word. So you figure that out, you know, so which one's right? I don't care. You know, I really don't think it matters. It means the same thing. Okay, so Emmanuel means God with us. Now, this morning, let me ask you this question too. This is a lot of questions and a lot of things that get started this morning to keep us engaged. Have you ever prayed this prayer, God be with me? God be with me? You ever prayed that prayer? 
I pray that prayer a lot. I mean, this afternoon when my wife and I get in the car and we head to Knoxville, Tennessee, we're not going all the way there today. We're going part of the way. Uh, uh, I refuse to travel. I used to travel like 12 hours to Roanoke where my fam- family is. Roanoke, Virginia, by the way, not Roanoke, Illinois. Uh, but that would be a lot easier. <laughs> that would be a lot easier. But uh, I used to travel the 12-hour drive there all at one time. That was when I was younger, like 12 years ago. And... Uh, and do stuff like that. We don't do that anymore. And um, so today as we travel, one of the things that we'll do is my wife and I always pray. We'll go, God, be with us. Especially be with all the crazy people that are on the road that are driving near us. Keep, the, keep a wedge of protection around us. Help me to stay awake after t- teaching twice today. You know, my wife's going to actually drive most of it today probably anyway. So the deal is, you know, is all those things. You, you pray simple prayers like that. But it may be more more legitimate prayers about God being with you. You're going through a tough time, and you just want to experience God's presence. And the question we're going to talk about today, what does that mean that God is with us? Well, in Matthew chapter 1, we've talked about Matthew chapter 1 and 2 the last three weeks, and Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, we want to focus our attention for just a few moments today on a very simple Christmas message. Why is it important that the Bible says that God's with us? This is what it says in verse 21. She will give birth, talking about Mary, give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We could just preach on that verse and talk about that forever, and that would be hugely important because Jesus came to save people from their sins. But it also says this, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. And then it refers to, Matthew goes back and refers to a passage in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which actually was, was prophesied 740 years earlier than this. And it says this, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience, and since most of us here aren't Jewish, uh, the the reality is is that this was earth-shattering news, that God would actually come and, and, and be in proximity to people, not just be this God who was far off, who was mysterious, and who was so holy that what would happen is nobody could possibly get close to him. Because in the Jewish culture, the way they saw God, I mean, you look in Scripture in the Old Testament, and you saw that when Moses uh, went to see God, remember, he had to hide his face from him as God passed by, it says. Uh, they also, uh, in, in that day, believed that God actually on the earth dwelt in a place called the Holy of Holies, which was, or at least his presence was there in the Holy of Holies in a place which is the center of the temple. And it was a place where no one could go in except for the high priest and only once a year. And when the high priest would go into this place, they thought that God was so, was so different and so holy and so separate from them that they would actually believe that, if you, that nobody else could go in because they would die. And just in case the high priest went in and did something wrong, I guess, I don't know what the deal was, and died, they would actually tie a rope to the high priest's leg as he went into the Holy of Holies. So if he died and they couldn't get him out, none of them would have to go in there and, and risk death, and they would pull him, that way they would pull him out. I mean... I'm not sure the high priest job was a great job. But anyway, that was kind of the deal there. And that's how holy they thought, how separate, how other they thought that God was. So when he came and he said, you know, God is with us, not just God is up there, but God is with us, this was huge news. That's why the shepherds went back into the fields rejoicing. That's what the, why the wise men fell on their knees and worshiped. Uh, because not, not, it was not this God who was far away, not this distant, uninvolved creator, uh, not just God watching over us, but it was God who came in the flesh and dwelt among us so that we could have a relationship with him and actually know him, and actually know him. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
You know, you know who, uh, you can know God by looking at who Jesus is in a real sense. Now, some of you who come today, I don't know why you showed up at Great Oaks. I maybe it's just your regular place you show up every Sunday. And maybe you came today because of all the cute kids. That was a good reason to come, you know, all the cute kids. Maybe you came because it's Christmas. I don't know why you came today to church. But the reality is some of you came, and regardless of why you came, today you're here and you're in a really difficult spot. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Christmas seems to be the great magnifier. It magnifies the good and makes things really good seem even better. I mean, how many people, how, how joyous are we during Christmas season? You're going around in the lobby this morning. We had, the, I really appreciate the uh, singers from, uh, from Metamore High School. Madrigal, is it called the Madrigal Singers? Okay. The Madrigal Singers out singing in the lobby. I, there were so many things going on this morning out there. I was, it was, I was hearing things all over the place and everything. But it was really cool. They were out there singing songs, you know, and people were talking. You guys were just talking, 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 talking. And, you know, and it was just a great time together. And you go to the malls, and everybody's singing, and it's joyful, and all things. It's a great, kind of a magnifies the good stuff, and we get all, all this joy during Christmas. But also, but also, Christmas seems to magnify the painful times. It seems to make them really painful, more painful. I know there, there's, you know, there's the highest instance of suicide is during the Christmas season. Because so many people, when they're, when they're going through a tough time, Christmas just magnifies that in a huge way. And some of the, sometimes the reason that it happens is because you're facing maybe an empty chair this year, maybe somebody you wish that was, was going to be there and isn't, maybe through divorce, because of divorce or death, or distance even, and, and whatever, and that just kind of wrecks you in a real sense. That's what Christmas does sometimes, it kind of magnifies things. And so some of us are going through some relational issues right now. And maybe we have relational tensions and things just aren't right. And, and maybe it's bad news you just had about some health issue or, or whatever it is. And you're going through that. And in the midst of that, you're asking this question, where is God? I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel him in this tough time. So the question is, you know, what, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us today? Well, today I want to share with you just very briefly three things that the Bible, this passage we just looked at, says about why it's important to understand that God is with us in the past, in the present, and in the future. And we want to look at that for, for a few moments this morning. Number one, uh, God is with you. That's what the scripture says. Number one, God is with you. He's with you in your present right now. Whether you feel it or not, God is with you. It says over in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, talking... Um, as the angel came to Mary, the angel went to her and said, Greetings. This is a very polite angel, by the way. You know, a uh, very polite angel. I said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Probably Mary was going like, me, highly favored? I mean, I'm only like 14, 15 years old. That's how we think Mary was when she had baby Jesus. And says, I mean, how many live long enough to earn some credits with Jesus you know, yet? But, you know, so the deal is, is that she's going through this, this thing. And the, the Bible says to her, in the midst of this chaos she's having right now, in the midst of this chaos right now, she's going, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And that's hugely important to know that God is with us, that he's there in whatever we're going through. I'll never forget, you know, those of you who have, have, have kids and they're little, you're going through it right now, or if your kids are grown, you probably remember back times when you tried to encourage your kids by just being there with them. Just saying, I'm here, don't worry, everything's all right, when they're afraid or whatever's going through. I remember years ago, uh, this is a long time ago, because my daughter now is in her early 30s. Uh, my son is in his mid-20s, and so they're kind of grown now. And uh, I remember when my daughter was like five years old, 
And uh, we were in Virginia, and, we, and locally we had a thing, uh, a big fair in Salem, Virginia that was there. It was, I'm talking about a monster fair. It was like a state fair level thing that lasted like two weeks long. Fireworks every night. I mean, like it was, it was thousands and thousands of people showed there, up there every day. And um, every year we would go, take the kids, and Carol was five, years, five, five and a half years old, and my son, Keith, had just been born. And my wife was home with Keith. It was in the middle of the summer. Come with Keith. And so, so uh, Kara said, Daddy, please take me to the fair, you know, and the cute eyes and the whole deal. And, you know, I gave in, caved, and said, okay. I didn't really want to go, but I went anyway. And so we get to the fair, and, and it's in the summer. Okay, in Virginia, in the summer, we have thunderstorms and things. Not as long and drawn out as they have here in the Midwest, because we had mountains to kind of block them sometimes. But it's still, we had some pretty tremendous storms there. And we were there and one of the things that happened while we were at the fair was uh, we were out doing all the rides and stuff, you know, the five-year-old rides, by the way, not the big ones. And we were doing all those cool things. And what happened was all of a sudden a storm comes up. And when the storm comes up, we had to find some shelter somewhere. So the closest place to find shelter was uh, beside, right next to the, all these th- uh, rides and everything, the thousands of people, was this humongous tent. This tent was probably five times as big as this room. I mean, it was like huge. It was one of those circus tent things with the poles that are like this big around. They're like 30, 40 feet tall, everything like that. We were in there, and that's where all they had all the, all the you know, stuff you do at fairs, you know, the, all the goods, baked goods and everything like that, and they had all the you know, stuff you could look at, and just, you could spend hours in there. I'd never been in there before because <laughs> I went for the rides. And uh, we went in there, and we go in there into this room, and we're in there, and it's storming, and the winds, and all of a sudden, the wind picks up tremendously. And all of a sudden, this huge tent actually starts flapping up the whole thing, up and down. And the tent poles were attached to the top. And what was happening, those gigantic poles, 30, 40 foot tall poles, started moving off the ground. And everybody, guess what everybody starts doing? They're calmly standing there looking like, oh, this is cool. No, they start screaming. Everybody's screaming. And guess what my five-year-old daughter's doing? She's screaming. What her dad's doing? He's screaming. No, I'm not screaming. You know, I was cool. And, uh, and so, but the thing was, I'm going like, man, if this keeps going, this thing's going to come down. And so what I do at that point is I do the only thing I knew is to protect my daughter. I grab her underneath my arm like a football, five-year-old, and I take off running to the Civic Center, which is nearby, which is probably, you know, a couple, three or four hundred yards away. I made world record time. I wish I had timed me to see how fast I ran across that field. You know, luckily I had my tennis shoes on, not my flip-flops that day, and I was zipping across the field. I get over there, and the whole time, the wind's howling, the rain's coming down sideways. We're soaked, and we get to the Civic Center. The big back door's open where you can go in for some other exhibits in this gigantic building, and we go in there, and I walk in in there and I sit Kara down and she looks at me and she goes daddy thank you so much for being there and I'm going like well you know that's what daddies do we're there for you I'm there with you honey I'm not going to let you, you know something happen to you and we look back and the whole tent had fallen down with hundreds of people inside pretty soon rescue squads show up people had you know pulled. nobody was seriously injured but there was broken bones all kind of crazy things had gone on and i'm going like you know that's that's kind of the deal you know my my daughter felt secure not because she had a superhero dad because the dad wanted to get out of there too you know i wanted to be but i took her with me and i was there with you with her and that's what's important for us to know that when we're going through a crisis that god is there with us it's hugely important to know, not that God is going to remove all the problems in life. He never promises that, but he says in the midst of the problems in life, 
God's going to be there. And if you're going through a struggle right now in your life, let me share with you something. That means that God's probably more visibly, or more, you might be more aware of God's presence than at any other time if you'll just look. Because one of the things the Bible says, that says that God is the God of all comfort. He gives us comfort in our time of need. And the word comfort there is a Greek word that's translated as comfort. It's the Greek word parakletos. And parakletos, you don't have to know Greek, by the way. But just what it means, it has so much meaning. Paro means alongside, and kleto means called to. It means our God comes alongside. He's called in times of need to come alongside us, to be there with us. Like I was there with my daughter, but even in a, in a much better way because he's God. And he's always there with us. It means that when you're alone, He's there as your companion. He's with you as your companion. When you're sick, he's with, there, with you as your healer. When you're lost, he's with you as your guide. When you're hurt, he's with you as your hope. When you're weak, he's with you and gives you strength. And when you sin, he's with you as your savior. So often we don't see Jesus in the storm, but if we'll look, God, is, he says, I am with you. And I'm there to comfort you and give you, the time, give you what you need. So that's the first thing we see. God is with you. Number two, God was with you. Sometimes it's easier to see his presence in the past than it is in the present. Is it not? You ever look back and go like, well, God, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. But God was there. There's another Joseph in the Old Testament, not Joseph and Mary in the New Testament, but another Joseph in the Old Testament that as we read his story, you can go back and look at it. It's an amazing story of a young, cocky guy who had a bunch of brothers, and it was the biggest sibling rivalry problem in all the world. And matter of fact, they disliked their younger brother so much that they sold him into slavery. One of the guys, some of the brothers wanted to kill him, but they said, oh, let's be good brothers and just sell him into slavery. So that was kind of the deal. You go back, it's in Scripture, and a um, really interesting story. And so they do that, and in the midst of this, as he goes, gets sold into slavery, he gets sent to Egypt, and all this whole thing goes on, and actually he gets, he does everything right. He's an honorable person. But what happens to him? He gets put in prison, and he's, and, and, and he's, he's in prison. That prison cell becomes a launching pad for him to eventually become second in charge of all the kingdom and to save his own people. And so you see all these bad things happening in his life, but it says in, in Genesis chapter 39, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And if you continue to read, God was with Joseph, and Joseph is looking back on this, and he says, you know, you meant me harm, but God used this for good. And so the reality is, it's, sometimes it's easier to look back and say, God was with me. I can tell you folks from personal experience how many times in the past, if I look back over it, I journal sometimes, I write down, and, and, and it's really interesting it's interesting to look back and read journals from years ago. It's things I've forgotten. If you journal, I encourage you not just journal and keep it, but you actually go back and read them sometimes. And to see God's faithfulness in your past, I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have experienced God's faithfulness. He was with me. He was with me and with my wife. He was with me and my kids. He was with us through all kinds of things. My wife and I, when we first went to seminary, when I got, went to grad school at Wake Forest in North Carolina, um, the thing was there is, is, is uh, as we went there, um, <laughs> the interesting thing was I had just finished college, uh, and now I was going to grad school, and my goal, I paid my whole way through college, and my goal as I finished, when I finished college was to come out of college with no debt. And so I did. Uh, it took me six and a half years to go through college because I had to work sometimes and then, you know, do some stuff. But I, my last semester, I decided no debt. But I, the only way I could do that is I had a car. And so my last semester, I sold my car to pay for my last semester of college. 
But I, so I came out of college. My wife and I finished in December. We're going to get married in August. And so I came out of college, and I'm going like, you know, no debt. Don't have anything, but no debt. No car, nothing, literally, you know. And so for the next eight months, or between then and from between December and August, I worked a lot and made some, saved some money, whatever, and started this. But the thing is, when we started seminary, the thing is, is that you know, we didn't have much. And I remember those days. It was amazing because I remember God's faithfulness. Because my wife could tell you the same thing. I cannot tell you how many times when we first started grad school and we were there and we were making, you know, she was working the first year there. She was working at Kmart. And, and then later on, she got a better job for the state revenue department and all these different things. The reality was, is that so often we would ha- come to the end of, a, end of the month and, and we didn't have money. And we had debt to pay, things to do. We, you know, we were living simply. And I cannot tell you how many times it happened, especially the first year or so, that God would provide, so, it would show up in the mail this card from some, some group at our church that we hadn't been involved in in years because I'd gone through college. But they knew us, they, they knew what was going on, and it would be the exact amount that we needed. Every time. It was never left over. I'm going, God, if you're going to bless us, bless us a little bit more so we can put it, you know, in savings or do something. But it never happened that way. But God was with us. I can tell you, I mean, if you had six hours, I could tell you all the stories about looking back, but you don't have that. I know you don't want to hear all those. But anyway, God is with us. If you look back in your life, if you're willing to do that so often, you may not see God right now. If you're going through painful situations, but you can look back and see that God was there. I don't know if you agree with this assessment, but I believe last November, when all the stuff happened in Washington, the tornado went through. I don't know about you, but you know, some people go like, well, where was God? Well, I think God was with us. Because when I walked on that Sunday afternoon after leaving here and going over there, after getting over there and going and trying to visit everybody in the church that I knew of that had lost their homes or, or, had, or had, uh, you know, had, uh, had huge damage to their houses and stuff, and it's, my wife and I spent hours walking through there. When I walked through there and saw what had gone on, I'm going like, oh my gosh, there's got to be hundreds of people that are dead. And yet, there was three people that died and a few people that were injured. But after you looked at what happened, I'm going like, there is no way that that happened. And it was no more. I mean, there's lots of physical property lost. 1,100 homes between Washington and Pekin and East Peoria, either damaged or destroyed. But I believe God was with us. God was with those folks. And, and the reality is, you know, you know, I, I don't know, We've, I've heard all kinds of stories about God's miraculous intervention of people during that time. God was with us. Number three, not only has God, God is with us now, God w- was with us, but God will be with you in the future. God will be with you. It's the promise. That's the promise. of Christmas is not just about a story in the past. It's about our present and our future. No matter what you go through, God will be with you. I, I, I began to think about the story and the little girl in the story, Mary. She was a little girl, really. I call 14-year-olds little girls, you know. I don't think, but having a baby at 14, that had to be incredibly scary, but it was kind of common in that day and age. But the thing is, imagine if she could have seen when this happened, when the angel came to her and said, hey, Mary, I'm with you, God is with you. If she could have understood the, the fullness of what that meant, if she could have seen all of her future, just think about all the stuff that she was going to experience. 
She would, she would have been able to see that how God was going to be with her in the future through all the stuff she went through when she had, at this point, had to go tell Joseph, hey, it was the Holy Spirit. And, and she went and, and she, and, and when they went on that journey and, and there was no room for them and they had to stay in a cave or in a, a stable or whatever it was, you know, whatever it ended, ended up being, you know, in scripture, we really don't know. God was with them through all that. And, and God, you know, when, when, uh, um, when, when the, young, the young baby, the baby Jesus grew up and, and she watched her son being falsely accused and persecuted, she knew that God was with her then, but she didn't know at the time what was going to happen. And, and Mary would have said that, you know, God was, would be with me when, when I watched my son suffer and cr- on a cross, brutally abused by the sinners for whose sin he would die as they drove stakes into his, into his hands. I mean, she was going like, you know, the only way I could go through that is because God is going to be with me through that. If she didn't know what was going to happen. And she would have probably said, you know, God is with me as I watched him suffer. And God is with me when he said, it is finished. And she said, God, well, she would probably say, God would be with me when the earth grew dark. And when, when that first night, I was, it was a sleepless night after, after my son died on a cross. God was with me. And on that second night, when he, I, I was, God was with me. And on that third day... When finally they rolled, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty and he was not there because he had risen, she, he, she would probably say, God is with me through all that. Paul said it this way. He kind of asks a question and he answers the question. In Romans chapter 8, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, the presence and the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Shall hardship? No. Shall persecution? No. Shall famine? No. Shall nakedness? I don't get the nakedness part. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I miss it out there. But you know, yeah. even if you're naked, God is still with you. Just in case. Okay. Uh, a danger? No. Sword? No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What it's saying in Scripture to us time and time again is this. When God came down at Christmas, when he came and dwelt among us, he's saying, hey, it's not just now. I'm going to be with you for all of eternity. I'm going to be with everybody. I'm going to be with you and you and you and you and you. I am with you, whether you feel it or not. I'm going to be with you. Nothing can separate, nothing can separate you from me because I love you that much. Not doubts, not mistakes, not disappointments, not failures, not even sin. Because I am not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you alone. And so the real question is this morning is not, is God with us? The real question is, are you with God? Because in Scripture it says over and time and time and again that God will be with us. But the question is in Scripture, are you with God? Are you with God? What does that mean? It means that are you in a relationship with God where you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior and you've said to Him and you live day to day in dependence upon Him? That's what it means to be with God. Are you with him? 
And there's some of you this morning that are here right now where you're, like I shared with you, you're in a difficult place and you have difficulties and challenges and trials and pain and, and you really need to know that God is with you right now. And I hope more than anything that scripture this morning, this little bit of scripture is just enough to give you some encouragement and say, yeah, God is with you. And I, and I just want to, I just want to ask this morning, you know, is anybody here? I, I would like to pray with anybody. Just pray over the, the group of you. And, and when he did this in the first service and a bunch of people shared this. Is there anybody here who's going through something right now and they need to feel God's presence in a real way? And they'd like me to pray with them right now. Would you just raise your hand? If you're going through a tough time right now and you just want me to pray with you right now as a group, would you just raise your hand right now? Thank you. God, I just pray right now that you would be with the folks that raise their hands. That you would encourage them, God. And you help them to understand and experience your presence in their life. The reality is, God, is that so often what happens is is we don't feel that you're present, God, in our life. But that doesn't change anything. Scripture says it's a fact that you are with us, that you never forsake us, that you open, the, open your arms and say, come. And so, God, this morning, for those who are hurting, even those who didn't raise their hands but are hurting and going through a tough time, God, I, I pray that you would let them experience your presence right now, God, in their life in a real way. During this time of year when things are so magnified, the good is magnified and the bad is magnified, that you would encourage them along the way, God. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you will do in their lives as they experience your presence in their life, even in the tough times that you would give them peace and direction and comfort and whatever it is they need. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm going to ask another question. Go back to the same question again. Are you with God? Are you with God? Some of you maybe said yes to God a long time ago, maybe years ago. Some of you maybe last week. Last week I had people that texted me at the end of the service and, uh, and, and said, hey, I want to take a next step with God. Some of you still need to take that step. And maybe this morning for the first time you want to publicly in some way say, yeah, I am with God. I want to follow him. I want to have a relationship with him. So for, I want to do this as a group thing so we don't always feel like we're alone. So if you say, whether you've been a Christian a long time, follower a long time or not, if, you've been, if you say, I am with God, would you just raise your hand? I am with God. Okay. Thank you. Now, if you just did that for the first time, what I want you to do is I want you to take one of those welcome cards, if you have one of those, and I want you to put in your name and say, hey, I'm with God, and today is the date, the first time I've ever said that. And give us some contact information, and then we'll have someone contact you and talk to you about your next steps. Great Oaks is about this, helping people take their next step towards God. That's a next step. It's a hugely important step. And if you don't have that, let me tell you, we're, we live in a technological age, and so pop it up there. There you go. There's, uh, there's my phone number. Text me. You don't have to wait till the service is over. You can do it right now. And you can say, hey, this is who I am. Today I said I'm with God, and I'd like to talk to somebody about what that means. And you can do that today. as a way of encouraging and taking the next step you need to take. That is hugely important, and I hope more than anything 
that you're convinced that God is with you. Because if you're not, you'll live in a lonely life. But I'm convinced that God is with me because of his word and how I have experienced that over all these years. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much this morning that we can come to this place and we can be encouraged by your word. I pray, God, that you would just uh, help us now as we close the service and we sing together this song, Emmanuel, God with us, that it would be, in a sense, God, it would be a, um, a prayer. It would be a confession of faith. It would be uh, uh, something that we're singing, not just because it's words and it's a Christmas song, but it would be something we would do because it's, it's the truth in our lives. God, when we read these Christmas stories, God, so often what happens is, is we simply do not uh, we just kind of breeze over, go gloss over the, the fact that when the angels said and when Isaiah said so many years ago that God is with us, that that was the greatest news, the greatest news that we could ever possibly hear. Thank you, God, for your incredible love. Guide us now this day as we go through this Christmas season. And for anyone who, who said today that it's my first time, may they take the, take the step of connecting with someone, maybe not here, but somebody yeah, they know that's a follower of Christ, to talk to them about what are next steps beyond saying, God, I want to follow you. How can I grow? How can I become closer to you every day, God? Thank you, God, for this time of worship this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.